Joining me by phone is the 70th Secretary of State of the United States of America. He served uh, in Congress and then in the Trump administration, Secretary Mike Pompeo. Welcome. How are you? Eric, it's great to be with you. I'm doing well. I hope you're doing well today also. I am. Now, I got an email from you this morning. Uh, it says, join the conservative cavalry, and you're starting a new organization, CAVPAC, the Champion American Values, and I, I'm glad to be able to talk to you about that. And, oh, there's a lot I want to talk to you about. <laughs> well, that's all great. I, I am, I've been working since uh, I left the administration to build out a team to go work to get good conservative candidates elected all across America. It harkens back to my days as a cab. That's how we got cab pack when I was a young lieutenant patrolling the then East German border where we were the alarm bell for making sure that we were prepared to meet the challenge from uh, those who wanted to undermine Americans. So that's what cab pack is going to do. We, we'll ride to the sound of the guns. We'll fight. And, uh, and, and I want to lead that. We're going to help out in legislative races all across America. We've got some city council races, if you can believe it, Eric, where we're going to, where there's really bad stuff going on in these cities that we think we can help. We want to energize conservatives all across America and in November of 22, just be enormously successful. You know, it, it, it's funny you say that uh, this morning uh, when I started the show today, I was talking about uh, Jeremiah 29, 7 is my favorite verse in the Bible, seek the welfare of the city in which you're in exile. And <laughs> so many people focus on Washington and like, what about your city council, your school board, your county commission? Uh, so go, oh God goodness. bless you for engaging at that level. Uh, Eric, you know this. They, they, they have real impacts on how your family lives, what your community is like, how effective your sheriff's office is in your county or your, or your city police force, wherever you may be. I, I come from South Central Kansas. Those are the things that make up the daily lives of most people in Kansas who are just trying to work and go to church and take care of their family. Uh, lots of lots of real big challenges to those places. They often don't have the, the resources that they need, and we're going to go try and find a handful of spots where there's something that's of real scale and importance going on and try to weigh in and, and make, make their community just a little bit better. Now, I, I, boy, I, I really do have a number of things I want to talk to you about. Let, let's start the, with with the the top shelf issue of China and uh, the virus. Uh, you maintained all along that it, it just made sense that the virus probably came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, it, uh, what's his name? John Stewart was on the Colbert show last night and made the point that if everybody in Hershey, Pennsylvania gets covered with chocolate, uh, you don't blame a pangolin. You probably go look at the Hershey chocolate factory, uh, and in Wuhan, China, we're like, we've got a, an institute that, that studies COVID and people are like, maybe it didn't come from there. Uh, I love that John Stewart's finally, uh, finally on the side of logic here. That's what yes. we were really, that's what we were doing here, Eric. It was. This wasn't about politics. This wasn't about uh, anything other than trying to get the science and the data right. Every piece of data we turned up, much like the chocolate factory, we had, we had. If it was Hershey, we had scientists get sick for eating too much chocolate. Right? This was, we we knew we know an awful lot about what transpired here, and the cumulative weight suggests that this virus did come from the laboratory, and that the Chinese Communist Party doesn't want you and your listeners to know that, and that's really dangerous for lots of reasons, not the least of which is that lab is still up and running. And it could happen again. And next time, not 3 million, but maybe 30 million people could be killed. We, we've got to get this right. 
Well, in, in trying to get it right, it does seem like China uh, around the world is not just using soft power, but it's it's buying up access to mineral rights, controlling ports, uh, making uh, easily defaultable loans to countries where then China gets to exert its clout. Uh, and it seems almost like it's using its checkbook in ways we used to do against the Soviet Union, but now it's doing it to us around the world. Definitely the case. It's a, a country with 1.4 billion people. Uh, big economy, now a large military supported by that big economy. A lot of that economy came, frankly, Eric, because we were asleep at the switch. We let them trade in ways that destroyed jobs here all across America, and they were able to steal some of our best technology and then build those products with that technology and then sell them back cheap here in the United States because they didn't have to do the, the hard work of investing and inventing. We, we tried to begin to turn that tide in the four years of the Trump administration. There's an awful lot more work to do. This, this economic challenge is different than the Soviet Union, but the threat, the threat to the uh, to the, our way of life here in the United States is no less severe. Now, Joe Biden, of course, has gone to Europe and is struggling in his questions uh, about Vladimir Putin and whether or not he's still a bad guy or not. Uh, and I, I pointed out yesterday on my radio show that the Trump administration's tone towards Russia always was softer than Obama's, but was always far more aggressive in dealing with Russia than the Obama administration ever did, from shutting down safe houses, booting uh, diplomats from this country, engaging them around the world. And it seems almost like the American media and the Democrats have decided, uh, let's talk tough and do nothing on Russia, where the Trump administration talked diplomatically but was tough on Russia. And now we're back to this not really knowing what to do with them. Well, I'll take that as a point of pride because my, my, my vision for diplomacy is this is quiet stuff. But in the end, uh, one needs to make clear one's intentions through the actions that you take, not through just the words that you utter. Uh, that's dangerous, Eric, when, when you have leaders out using harsh language like he's a killer, but then acting in ways that are inconsistent with the words you use. Uh, they will. The, Vladimir Putin will drive a truck through that weakness, and others will watch too. The Ayatollah in Iran, Xi Jinping in China, uh, they, they will they will watch Chairman Kim in North Korea. They will see that the rhetoric exceeds the willingness to act. That that creates an enormous gap that others and our adversaries can put us at real risk. We can't let that happen. We should we should be clear about the things that matter to America. We should be uh, well defined about the things we're prepared to do to defend those interests. And when we're when we're not, we should we should make clear there's places that we're going to have to find an accommodation, figure out how to work together. It's certainly what we tried to do with Russia. It meant we ended up being pretty darn tough on them. Uh, we tried to find places we could work together, but Vladimir Putin kept engaging in malign activity and we kept imposing costs as a result of that. Now, I, I'm, I got to be careful how I approach the subject with you because I know it, it can border on conspiracy theorizing and, and I don't mean to, but if I take the intelligence reports in the country as fact from 2016, not that the Russians and outside groups wanted to elect Donald Trump, but that they wanted us to turn on each other and fight over the election, uh, it seems like we get to a point now in this country where we've got uh, an aggressive left in this country that is peddling deeply divisive rhetoric through race theory and the like. Uh, it, 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 Antifa marching through the streets of Portland, Oregon. You've got the Kenosha, Wisconsin situation. It, it seems that if if outside agents could try to 
turn America against each other in the election in 2016. They could do that even now, uh, and that there are propagandistic outfits. I mean, we know the New York Times and others have continued to take money from the China Times, which is a CCP front organization. Uh, it just seems like maybe it's plausible they're running propaganda campaigns still in this country to get us against each other. Is that too out there? It, it's not. I wouldn't even put that in the near conspiracy bucket, Eric. It's absolutely true. The the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party information campaigns, It's a, they call it its united front. It's information efforts inter, external to their country, now internal to ours, are real. You, you, you talked about it in terms of our media. They have certainly got their economic uh, clause inside of American media, but it's also in our other big important institutions inside our tech companies, inside our universities and schools, even down to K through 12. This is a full on onslaught on the American way. And this is, this is Xi Jinping's theory. It's a very much in line with the historic theory of Marxism. It's this theory on how you can undermine the West. Uh, it is not, it is not predetermined that the, the West will decline. Eric, I, I believe we won't. But it's going to take real leadership pushing back against these uh, Chinese efforts and Russian efforts and, frankly, efforts that are from some inside of our country that want to undermine the things that have made America so exceptional. Now, let's let's shift even more domestically here. You were in Congress uh, before you went to the, the White House. Uh, you represented Kansas, and now you've got the great divide in Washington over infrastructure and spending a uh, massive multi-trillion dollar debt and deficit. And the Democrats now have decided everything that they want to spend money on is infrastructure. Uh, how do you, and in, in, in CAVPAC now, your new organization, how do you take on those big issues, particularly when over the last number of years, Republicans themselves have kind of been free spending? Yeah, uh, guilty as charged uh, in terms of the, the absence of the capacity to prioritize and spend uh, your federal dollars that come to Washington, D.C. in a way that yields good outcomes. The deficit has grown every year. Uh, we've got to get this right. What, what, the, what they're doing now, however, the next, what, $2 trillion, $4 trillion, $6 trillion, uh, is bad on top of bad. CAFPAC uh, will certainly have a component, which talks about the real impacts, the real costs associated with this. I actually think the Republican proposal is pretty good. For, for my taste, as a conservative from Kansas, it's probably too big as well. But if you're getting real roads and real infrastructure and you're creating value, then uh, then there's a justification for it. If you're, you're talking about using the, the word infrastructure to include things that no, no ordinary citizen would consider such, that's a really bad idea. And you can see it already playing out in uh, the inflation that is hitting the pocketbooks of ordinary Americans all across the country. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm worried now about inflation and where this goes. All, all of a sudden, I guess last month, uh, retail spending declined. Uh, lumber prices all of a sudden plummeting again, and it just seems like uh, we're not on good economic ground in, right now. And, and I guess it comes back to uh, Republicans, although they may have been fairly free spending as well, always kind of understood the way the economy works. And Democrats really do at this point just think you can just print money and, and everything will be hunky-dory. <laughs> you, you had to kind of come full circle. Uh, I've seen reporting this week that uh, it's kind of been a party with the G7. Everybody really likes President Biden. It shouldn't be surprising. The The Biden economic model looks and feels much like a European socialist state, right? People people work less, more federal spending, uh, more dependence on government. That's a, a model that the German, the big German economies know well. They, they're not surprised that they find a brand in the progressive elements of President Biden's economic plan. It's not America, though. It's not the innovative country we know. It's not the federal system that we love. 
it's not consistent with the way America has always been the leading com- the, the leading country for building out the next great idea in the world. If we adopt the European model, we'll be less vigorous. We'll have a smaller economy. There'll be less prosperity. And most importantly, we'll have lost the bubble on the things our founders knew made our country so special. All right. Last question. And it actually relates to this, believe it or not. You, you were the, the director of the CIA. So your thoughts on UFOs would be appreciated. <laughs> you know, my son asked me when I became the CIA director, he said, the first file I want you to turn over is the UFO files. Help <laughs> us out. <laughs> I didn't do it for him. I can't do it for you today either. Well, we, we need to make sure we know. We need to make sure we know what's going on out there. But uh, I, I can't share much with well, you today. Yeah, Eric. I, I, I understand that, but I, this this actually does get back to the debt and deficit. Is it possible that other countries maybe have uh, leaped ahead of us technologically, while we've been squabbling here and and the Democrats wanting to cut the defense budget, and now we, we've we're having to cut corners and and cut money, and maybe can't make the technological leaps we need to stay as the the greatest military on the planet. It's very much a risk if we don't get it right, invest in our military and the technologies that surround it. It is certainly true that the Chinese and the Russians both have advanced weapon systems that are beginning to truly close the gap with us. We, we can't let that happen. It needs to happen. And we just simply got to get it right here at home. If we get it right at home, Eric, all these threats from abroad will, will pale with respect to protecting our republic. But we, we can't keep the silliness in our schools, and we've got to invest in the things that makes sense for American national security. Is there a chance they've closed the gap and gotten ahead of us and we just don't know it? It's not very likely to me. I think we have a pretty good understanding of what they can do and what they can't do. I can't say a whole lot more about that, but I'm pretty confident that we understand their capabilities at a, at a pretty sophisticated level. Uh, I will tell you, if you ask military leaders, most senior ones, they will tell you that that gap is much smaller today and narrowing, and it concerns them greatly. You are very diplomatic. I can see why you were Secretary of State. <laughs> Listen, thank you for this. Uh, thank you for stopping by. Best of luck to you Pleasure. in your future endeavors. Thank you, Eric. So long. Have a good day. Thank you. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, the 70th Secretary of State of the United States, who very diplomatically threaded the needle on the UFO answers, no less.